Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi there, and welcome to Stock Club, a podcast brought to you by My Wall Street. I'm James, and joining me on today's episode are Emmett, Rory, and Mike from the My Wall Street Analyst teams. In this, our last episode of 2021, we're going to go over the biggest news stories from the year, nominate the companies we think were most influential this year, and make our big predictions for 2022. So guys, we're finally at the end of 2021. What a year that was. Um, I think we all had a lot of hope after the year previous, after 2020, that this year w- would be a bit better. And in some ways, I actually feel like it could have been a bit worse. Definitely this this kind of Christmas period here in Ireland coming up. I remember last year, everyone was giving out about the, the pubs and the restaurants and all being closed. And we're, we're pretty much in the exact same situation this year, except more people seem to have COVID. But looking back on the year that was, I'm gonna, we, we're a fan of pop quizzes here in my Wall Street. So I'm going to give you guys a quick pop quiz on the year that was from some of the main things and, and see how tuned into cultural events you were. So first thing is Spotify and music. So anyone know who was the most streamed artist on Spotify for 2021 or anyone want to give me a guess? I have a guess. Mm-hmm. Olivia Rodrigo. Not bad. I think she was number two. Okay. Was it Dua Lipa? No, I don't. I don't think she was in the top ten. Mike. Okay, was well, so, oh, uh, Taylor Swift? Taylor, Taylor Swift. No, good guess. Actually, no. Taylor Swift was second. Sorry. Austin Sorry, Olivia Mike. Rodrigo. Oh, uh, okay. I was going to say Taylor Swift. Uh, you too. No. Austin, <laughs> <laughs> they've they've stopped just uploading their albums onto everyone's phone, so that's that's really impacted uh, their sales. The most streamed artist is actually someone I've never heard of. Someone called Bad Bunny. Anyone uh, ringing any bells for anyone? No, never. Mike, you're 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 oh, the youngest uh, here, Mike. You should know him. I think he's like a Latin American, yeah, or something. Nine point one billion streams in 2021, and he he didn't even release an album that did that year. So we yeah. need to get Luke back on the show. He's yeah. the kind of young, the voice <laughs> of the youth, the resident youth. Yeah, Taylor Swift was second. Taylor Swift was second, and BTS, everyone's favorite South Korean band, was third. All right, let's move on. What's his name? Peter Jackson be doing a documentary on Bad Bunny in 30 years with reclaimed. <laughs> yeah, he might be it, it will all <laughs> reclaimed be reclaimed like, hd footage it'll be 4K re- footage. it'll be compiled tiktok videos and things like that they won't have to, to go through the old footage <laughs> right let's move on then to, to wineries this is a good one and this is again from spotify so what do you guys think was the top streamed throwback album of the year it's an album that was released more than 20 years ago which was the top streamed album on spotify joshua tree by youtube <laughs> no um what <laughs> was it a beatles one because of the documentary no beatles were a top five and it was i think it was like a beatles compilation <laughs> album uh, as well as in the top five which reminded me of that of Alan Partridge. yeah <laughs> emmett any guesses well as a lifelong queen fan i suppose i may as well just go with the obvious a night of the opera by queen 
No, it was Rumours by Fleetwood Mac. Which oh. I, I think, and, and we, we're missing Anne-Marie here, here today, which, and she would definitely know, but I think this was kind of driven by TikTok and um, Dreams was like really popular on, on TikTok. So yeah, it seems the kids are getting into Fleetwood Mac again. Oh, we actually the, the cranberry juice challenge. Yeah, and, and the guy on the, the skateboard. Mac. Yeah, so... Um, what? Yeah, it's funny. How, Mike, um, tell more. Did you do the cranberry juice challenge and what was it? Uh, it was some random guy and he was just skateboarding to Fleetwood Mac drinking cranberry juice and then kind of just went nuts became a challenge here's the wow. next one I have yeah this was this was a surprising one the highest grossing movie of the year globally Spider-Man the new Spider-Man no it's on track I think but at the moment no mm. um, if any of you get this I'll be amazed <laughs> yeah Spider-Man jumped to mind as well for Marvel me as well Roy um uh, the fact that you'll be amazed, uh, James, is a clue. Mm. Probably not a very good clue. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I was just going to go. It's, it's, it was a movie called The Battle at Lake uh, Changjin. Oh, I was going to say that. Yeah. Gonna, is that the one Matt Damon is in? <laughs> I'm not sure. It was, it's, it was a Chinese movie. It's the highest grossing non-English film of all time. Uh, it grossed to date a, just over $905 million. Yeah, and I have never heard of it. James Bond, which would have been my guess, no time to lie, that came in third at $775 million. But I think kind of coming now towards the end of the year, Spider-Man is racing up the chart there. But um, I just feel like I've slept through 2021. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I heard a bad bunny or this film. Can we keep going and just forget the podcast? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Keep more <laughs> right. trivia. Well, the last one I have is... <laughs> the most searched term on Google in 2021. And if any of you get this again, I will be absolutely amazed. So the most searched mm. term on Google 2021. What does uh, Chugi mean? <laughs> no. Jake Paul. Nope. Do you need a beard to work on my Wall Street? <laughs> the answer is yes, but no. So the, the most searched term was Australia versus India. Yeah, that was kind of it. Oh. So I didn't know they were at war, but I, I done a bit more digging and it's actually a cricket match, cricket. I think. Which yeah, um, cricket. I don't think we're too up to date with here in Ireland generally. But in the news category, interestingly, AMC stock was the second most searched term in 2021. Dogecoin was the fourth and Game stock. Game stop stock, excuse me, was fifth. So, uh, yeah, I think that kind of probably <laughs> sums up the year for us on the market as well. Let's move on from this quiz and uh, let's go to you guys. So, the first thing I ask you guys, as usual on this podcast, we're going to look back on the year that was and kind of talk about the main things we we felt as as investors and kind of commentators on the market in 2021. So, the first thing I've asked you to do is pick the biggest news story of the year for you personally. Emmett, I'm going to come to you first. What do you think was the biggest news story of the year? So there was plenty of news, as there is any year, um, like the storming of the US Capitol back in January, which feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah. There was a cargo ship getting stuck in the Suez Canal and the Olympics happened. And actually, it's not world news by any stretch, but I also found out that a friend of mine, whose name is James Stock, is fondly called Papa Stock. And as you know, I'm known as Stock Papa. So it was the year where Stock Papa met Papa Stock. And it sounds like some kind of bizarre investor's uh, nursery rhyme, but I thought that was newsworthy. What, and What's the term I'd... for that when somebody's <laughs> name matches what they do? Is, is nominative determinism or something? You, you, you come across ah, James, these people and their on, name... Ah, James, brainiac. 
Yeah, no, with their, <laughs> their name whipping out it's, the English degree here showing it's, off it's like someone like who's like in charge of like the local supermarket is called Brian Manager or something <laughs> like they, they, they were born for their job I never heard that before no but my friend James Stock is not a stock analyst so ah. uh, unfortunately what, what's it called again what's the definition nominative again, determinism I think I think that's what it's called maybe I'm just making a fool of myself on, no on I think here. you need your own dedicated podcast anyway look I'm gonna go with Blue Oranges <laughs> Blue <laughs> origin who in the summer successfully sent bezos and three others up to space and back and landed them safely in a texas desert and at the time the news was all about billionaires experiencing weightlessness and uh, rory you were on a long segment piece on cnbc talking about it is that right yes i was did you have a nice time i had a great time, <laughs> <laughs> great time well what i think CNBC. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, the story was a six, I think so, a six-story tall rocket ship called New Shepard lifted off in the middle of summer at 12 minutes past 9 a.m. on a Tuesday. And I was like, Tuesday, that really does add some sparkle to the yeah. second least glamorous day of the week, I would think. I mean, you got to look forward to your Tuesday if you're going to space. But anyway, it was launched from a remote site in Van Horn in Texas, and Jeff Bezos brought along his brother Mark, bit of nepotism there. He brought along aviation legend Wally Funk. And the fourth person was a Dutch teen called Oliver Damon, who represented Blue Origin's first paying customer. Spot the odd person out. Anyway, they were strapped inside the capsule and up it went to an altitude of 66 miles at three times the speed of sound before kind of dumping the booster and the passengers experienced that feeling of weightlessness and could see the curvature of Earth on the brim of its atmosphere and get some really impressive clips and selfies, which I I presume are used for TikTok, and they were back in time for lunch. And this is a far less, it's far less an achievement than Apollo 11's landing in the moon in 1969, long before I was born. But it has heralded a new era where one can become an astronaut with no academic or aviation accomplishments whatsoever. All you need is a really chunky wallet. And that's pretty impressive, isn't it? Like, you you could be as dumb as, like, a bag of hammers and be nowhere (laughs) other than your local sports bar or your mom's basement, and yet you get outside the planet's ionosphere. I mean, what a time to be alive. So that's the story I chose. I think this was the year that defines commercial space travel and aviation and recreation, if you like. And I thought that was the defining news story slash business story of the year. Yeah, it definitely feels like we're we're at the cusp of a well, not even at the cusp, we're in the middle of a, a brand new space race. But yeah, as you said, it's one more governed by how big your wallet is rather than how big your brain is. Let's move on. Mike, what was your biggest news story of the year? Any phallic shaped rockets in in your <laughs> No, I leave all that damn it. I think I think the biggest news story of last year, especially from an investing perspective, was the kind of GameStop saga. And yeah. I don't Really, I'm not going to be able to do it justice of how much this like, captured everyone's imaginations. I think there was a lot going on at once that fed into it. So there was kind of the David and Goliath narrative that surrounded it. There was a bit of schadenfreude over the suits finally losing money and kind of this anti-Wall Street, I suppose, uh, sentiment. And then yeah. the last of it, and I think what fed into most of it was the timing of it. So this was right around when basically the world went into second lockdown. I know mm. it was lockdown in Ireland, so people were bored, people got on, got involved, and I, I've never been asked more 
about a topic than I have about this because people knew I was kind of in this sort of business. So it really was incredible. I think Rory, you have sort a of business. You're you're in the business, <laughs> <laughs> not in meme stocks, anyway. But uh, it's Rory, tough trying to keep like one foot out of it, <laughs> just just in case this all goes down the toilet. No, I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't really involved. I was just kind of you know chilling out, hanging around the office. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was a tough year. I remember at the time we obviously talked about it so much on this podcast and and we talked about how you know this was potentially a new phase of of the market in general and how kind of you know new power to kind of individual retail investors and the power of the collective and stuff like that have we seen that carried through Mike and do you still think you know we're going to see more events like this oh for sure I think this is like maybe the catalyst that has set off 2021 and the kind of year of speculation and this is fed through to kind of nfts to cryptocurrencies to a lot of scams like and i think just the expectation of fast easy returns has Mm -hmm. been kind of injected into the market and i i don't know if there's a generation of investors that know any different you know what i mean as in they see it as a casino rather than a way to build wealth so i think the long-term effects of what gamestop what happened with gamestop not really that good because they were the introduction to the financial markets for an awful lot of people. Yeah. Mm. I know the, the momentum at the time, which of course was, you know, a consequence of all these social media memes, uh, as you said, Mike, caused all types of untypical behavior. And Robin Hood, which was at that time, and I presume still is very popular with day traders, required a big cash injection from shareholders to withstand the demands that it was being placed under by its clearinghouse. But what was very interesting at the time, I thought, was that the Keith Gill, who is better known as Roaring Kitty. Deep effing value as well. Deep effing value, He's correct. He's got a few except, aliases of this one. That's right. Deep effing value, which he uses the full F word, like kicked off to Saga. But at the time, politicians invited key players to come in to Washington to explain what's what's going down. And it was it included Robin Hood's founder Vlad and Ken Griffin of Citadel Securities and all that kind of stuff. But Keith Gill arrived and I thought it was very entertaining at the time where he began his testimony by explaining that he is not a cat. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that is incredible. He's actually explaining to Congress that he's not a cat. But anyway it was He was the star of the show. He was the star of the show. <laughs> yeah. He was the star of the show. He actually, uh, he had, he purchased call options in 2019 worth 53 grand. On the 27th of January, they were worth $48 million. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow, you're talking real money there. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, that's, that's the kind of pipe dream, I think, that has brought so many other people into it. And, and unfortunately, then, as you mentioned, Mike, it's kind of breeds fertile ground for people getting scams and getting left holding the bag with these socks and things. But yeah. what I'm really interested in the year coming now is that Reddit is, is getting ready to go public. <laughs> and I, I think it would be pretty suitable to see a bit of collective action like that again. And I'd say we can probably expect a little more craziness when Reddit finally hits the markets. Rory, what story struck you? most in 2021 yeah i mean those two were were high on my list as well by the way but there was a term that kind of very kind of softly softly started creeping into our lexicon over the course of this year it was the term metaverse and i know we all know what it's associated but can anyone tell me what was the first big tech company to start talking about the metaverse this year Hmm. oh this year yeah was it unity software no 
It was Microsoft, yeah. Microsoft. Satya Nadella was talking about it at the start of this year, talking about how he was mm. going to bring the metaverse to the business world. But of course, it wasn't him that really got everyone particularly excited. It was Mark Zuckerberg who brought it right into the frame of our, the front frame of our minds. Well, um, well because, timed, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, first of all, it, it's unusual for a trillion dollar business to announce a completely new strategic direction. I don't think that's ever happened in my world. But yeah, what? It, so obviously, Zuckerberg came out. He said that. Facebook was changing direction. It was going to focus now on this concept called the metaverse and even, you know, went so far as to say they were going to change the name of the company to Meta. But what is the metaverse? I suppose the first question. And I think the answer is no one actually knows. If if you listen to kind of Mark Zuckerberg's version of what he believes the metaverse is, it's kind of a rebranding of virtual reality, which he's been heavily investing in for a couple of years now but he's taking it incredibly seriously and the the first person who is really taking it that seriously is putting 10 billion dollars investing into it that is by the way almost as much as facebook has spent on safety and security over the last five years i was just gonna i was just gonna (laughs) say that rory so like when you were mentioning that what i was reminded of is the likes of elon musk and all like saying oh let's move to mars and spending so much money on mars and i was like well you could maybe put a bit money into fixing the planet we're on and not that elon musk doesn't do that but it's the same with facebook like they're spending 10 billion on creating this new place to go to which will be better and safer when they could probably spend that money on on fixing the problems that exist right here right now well that no because the 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 place there is on fire so you know it's better just better just to let it burn and go to another place yeah so i mean and why are they doing this i mean i suppose mike you've already alluded to to us it came out of time of kind of high stress for the business both on the pr side so we had the release of the facebook files by the washington post around that time which came from whistleblower francis Hogan, showing that the company not only was you know setting the place on fire, but you were setting the place on fire and, and wasn't being too quick or proactive with the fire hose. Sorry, um, Rory, um, if you want to just say it again, but say Wall Street Journal. Oh, sorry, Wall Street Journal, <laughs> you're right, what did I say? You said Washington Post. Um, uh, Mike, that's unbelievable, well done. <laughs> <laughs> Catch it on. Catch it in real time. The other thing that was going on at Facebook, obviously, was that Apple had announced that they were essentially cutting off Facebook's ability to track users through their iPhone. Yeah. So there's 1.65 billion active iPhones in the world and less than 25% opted into this new tracking that uh, that Apple introduced, which was severely damaging um, Facebook's ability to collect data and sell that data for advertising. So yeah, the, the company missed revenue expectations by more than half a billion and Zuckerberg placed the blame solely on Apple. So you have this kind of confluence of, well, we're getting slammed in the media and we're getting slammed on the side of business. So we need to do something big. And this is what they decided to do. Yeah, I think um, Facebook's metaverse ambitions are coming from like wanting to own their own platform and not be within someone else's. So like Facebook has always existed within Apple and Google's ecosystems. And like it's gotten to a trillion dollar valuation within those walls. I think the metaverse is kind of it trying to create its own ecosystem and not depend on others. I think that's one of the big ambitions Facebook has. 
or Meta now. Did any of you see the interview Facebook's VP of Communications, Nick Clegg, the former British minister? He he done an interview with the Financial Times in the metaverse, and it's it's a bit sorry, of a... I, sorry, it's hard over the over audio to hear an eye roll happening, but yeah, it's just really <laughs> straight around the back of my head. But there was part of the interview I didn't watch the whole interview, but there's part where he's like complaining about how awkward the Oculus eye set is for him, and like he's like, if you just see my head go up randomly, it's I'm trying to drink my cup of coffee and so like his his avatar in the metaverse keeps us putting his head jerking his head up randomly because he's trying to drink a cup of coffee so uh yeah it was there that i just became completely unconvinced <laughs> about the metaverse but I'm, I'm sure i'll be proven wrong in, in the year ahead let's move on then from the news story of the year to the company of the year so much like we talked last week about elon musk being named times person of the year i've asked each of you to pick your company of the year so it doesn't necessarily mean that this was the best or the highest performing or the most influential company of the year but it's well, I suppose it is the most influential company here, the company that had the most impact on us or on the market or on the world, good or bad. Rory, I'm going to come to you first on this one. Who are you naming as your company of the year for 2021? It's uh, it's already got a mention in the pile already, but over 10 years ago, I joined Both the Time was a kind of small sort of social network, I suppose. It wasn't really a social network, but it was called Reddit. And I kind of, you know, loved it back then. And, and it's one of those places where, similar to a lot of social medias or social networks, where the more you put into it, the more you work on it, the better it becomes. And Reddit was this kind of, I don't know, uh, want, like, challenger but not really challenger they never really seemed to take the business side of the it, it too seriously it was just this place where posts either kind of rose or, or fell depending on whether people liked them or not but i think this year was the year reddish became a serious kind of business the company has now more than 50 million daily active users as we said they contribute they had a huge impact on the markets in january during the meme stock boom they've recently been valued somewhere like 39 billion dollars and they have as you said filed for ipo which probably which isn't going to happen this year obviously but should will probably happen next year it's just been an incredible year for that business for as you say for better or worse we don't know what the impact of that is going to be on the world but i just think as a business it's definitely been punching well above its weight in 2021 yeah absolutely i think it's it's hard to argue against that one emish your company of the year who are you nominating james there's a tradition in our house a relatively new tradition where on New year's eve my family and i sit down and we discuss charities we believe in and want to support and in turn log on to their giving pages and do what we can do with a donation i'm i suppose i'm becoming increasingly increasingly aware of my privilege and i suppose that also comes from being Irish because we are a country that gives. Ireland was named the most generous country in the world per capita by GoFundMe in 2021. It's the only European country to feature in the top 10 world giving index every single year since 2010. Like as a nation, Ireland wants to help. It's in our culture. It's in our history. It's like in our DNA. And I really love that. I'm very proud to live in a society surrounded by people who want to give back once they have something. I think that's a wonderful backdrop. So with that backdrop, almost a year ago to today, my youngest son said to me on uh, New Year's Eve that one of his chosen charities was founded by a certain individual by the given name by his mum of Jimmy Donaldson. Now, does anyone here know who Jimmy Donaldson is? So Jimmy Donaldson is better known by his online alias, Mr. Beast. And he's an American YouTuber. He's a personality. He describes himself as a businessman, a philanthropist. He certainly is. He generated a whole new genre of YouTube videos that was really high-end stunts. 
And yeah. most young people who are into YouTube, certainly young males, uh, I would imagine, are his audience. But Mr. Beast is the founder, or rather co-founder or co-creator of a charity called Team Trees. It's a fundraiser run by Mr. Beast and a couple of others with an aim to raise 30 million US dollars. No, sorry, I'm wrong. That's Team C's. So Team Trees is his fundraiser for Arbor Day Foundation. It's raised $23 million so far for every dollar you donate on Team Trees, a tree is planted in your name. Yeah. And then he went on from Team Trees and established Team C's. Sorry, that's what I got confused. And they're aiming to raise $30 million and they are in the process of removing 14 million kilograms of marine debris from the ocean or which 30, 30 million pounds of, of marine debris from the ocean by the end of this year. So they have pulled millions and millions of kilos of plastic waste and, uh, waste and gunge out of the oceans. So between planting millions of trees and cleaning up the seas and and the rumor is that he'll move on to team bees to focus energy on you know helping the world's bee population to get back to healthier levels there's an individual who started off doing something that was kind of my world hyper trivial wouldn't i didn't even know who mr beast was he now is somebody i admire greatly i think they're great businesses that he has founded the team trees team c's and soon to become team b's and i think he is the person or rather they are the businesses that i would put on the front of the time magazine business of the year okay there you go beat that mike <laughs> yeah jesus follow that <laughs> Emmett is now our resident youth <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking, Emmett, like, it sounds fantastic, but it's so lucky that all of the, the major problems rhyme in the world. Seas, trees, bees. Yeah, bees. You know, it's, it's, yeah, we uh... need a new problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mike, who's your company of the year? It's a much more boring company than that. I think it's the company that's probably gone through the most radical change in terms of investment thesis in, in our shortlist, and that's Zillow. Okay. So, yeah, maybe not for the right reasons, but maybe the most the most influential in terms of kind of how much of a change it's gone through in this year. So Zillow, back in 2018, entered the iBuying market, so the automated buying and selling of homes. And in November, October, November of this year, it decided that it no longer wanted to be an iBuying and completely stopped all of its iBuying activities. This was at a time when it was second only to Open Door in the wider market. Wow. Yeah, so it was actually, it was an impressive act of kind of accountability i think from the ceo richard barton he basically said look for this to work we need to be 10x our current current scale and to do that we can take on far too much risk far too much capital requirements far too much volatility and with zillow they kind of had a billion dollar business there already through its referral and advertising and the kind of estimates and zillow has i think 10 billion site visitors a year so in order to make iBuying work for that company, they needed to basically sacrifice the already existing core business. So yeah, Zillow, I think, for for sheer turnaround factor, was the most influential for me. Yeah, it, it was definitely refreshing to see a company admit that something wasn't working for them and just step away from it. Definitely painful for investors in the short term. But as again, as, as long-term investors, I think that's the kind of leadership you want to see. And I think that's the kind of direction, personally, anyway, I like to see in a company that they're like, look, we tried this out. It didn't work or it's not working right now to do what we really need to do. We need to just drop this. So yeah, very, very interesting move from Zillow. That was a good one. Okay, guys, we're getting to that part of the podcast, which I know we all love, which is our predictions for 2022. But before we move on, I can't get our predictions for 2022. 
two until we revisit our predictions for 2021. Rory and Emmett, it was only the three of us on the podcast this time last year, so it's only you, both of you guys, who gave me predictions for last year. Rory, I'll come to you first, rip off the plaster. So, your <laughs> prediction for last year, and in fairness to you, you said you were sticking out your neck, you gave me a very specific prediction, but your prediction last year was that Spotify stock would appreciate by about 50% in 2021. Do you want to give me a, a, a little update on how that prediction has gone? That's... Not gone well. <laughs> so, uh, like, Who's I listen. <laughs> I listened back to last year's podcast, and you kind of base that prediction on, I think, the fact they just signed Joe Rogan. I think it was maybe last year, and and some big kind of podcast players like that. I think as well, we were just coming off the back of the Queen's Gambit and the popularity that had driven towards Netflix, and you kind of thought that would kind of the similar effect would occur with Spotify. Why or why hasn't this played out for, for Spotify? I mean, it's it's like, it's a stock story versus a business story. I think Spotify yeah. as a business is doing perfectly well, but, you know, the 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 market has not been kind to growth stocks over the last six months in particular. And yeah, you know, choosing, predicting where a stock's going to be in a year is a fool's game. To with, so. <laughs> that's why we're all um, so good at it. <laughs> that's why, that's why we're all so good at it. My prediction for this year is that I won't be doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, hold hold off on your actual prediction for a minute because Emmett, I can see you itching there. You predicted last year that Macy's stock would double in value. How's that gone? Yeah, when we recorded, the day we recorded the podcast, Macy's had secured a new line of credit, a lifeline to get it through to the summer. And it was $10 a share, which looked ridiculously undervalued to me at the time. And now it is up to $25. So my pr- prediction was that Macy's stock would double in the year 2021. And it's up 150%. So I'm smiling like a Cheshire cat. Not too bad. That's two for two now, Emmett, because the year yeah. before you'd predicted that retail would just be obliterated. And then like, I think maybe two days later, the first coronavirus case was confirmed in Europe and just all hell broke loose. So um, yeah, yeah, not 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 bad going. Although I do have to point out the year before you did say it would be Oculus's year, which is... But now we're talking a- about it. I was just early, better too <laughs> early than too late. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's a good excuse. I'm going to use that again. Right. So that's predictions from last year. Let's get on to predictions from this year. So you guys might notice there's a voice missing from the podcast today. That's Anne Marie. She's flown home to Colorado for the holidays. So I've asked Anne Marie to record her prediction and send it into us. She actually hasn't sent it yet. So I'm going to leave a space here. We're all going to listen to, well, pretend to listen to Anne Marie's prediction, and we're all just going to give her a little applause <laughs> afterwards and move on. So here's a sp- here's Anne Marie's prediction for 2022. Hello, everyone. My prediction for 2022 is going to focus on one stock and one stock only, and that stock is Planet Fitness, which I actually recently wrote a comment update about. So if you'd like to read that, go ahead and take a look at it in the app. But the reason I decided to pick Planet Fitness is the share price today is the same that it was in March of 2020, despite the fact that I think Planet Fitness is actually functioning in a much less competitive market than it ever has before. The reason for this being is that 22% of all fitness and health clubs in the United States have been forced to permanently closed due to the pandemic. And a number of key players were actually forced to file bankruptcy. And they were other affordable gym options that you commonly see in the same locations as Planet Fitnesses. The most notable name is probably 24-Hour Fitness, which is beginning to shut our locations across the United States. This means that it might be possible for Planet Fitness to move into neighborhoods that it hadn't previously been in before. On top of this, brick-and-mortar retail has really struggled through the pandemic. We're starting to see a number of closures. That will also mean that retail space is going to be more affordable, and it might help Planet Fitness accelerate their expansion plan. Expansion has 
always been a key part of Planet Fitness's growth strategy. They use a franchise model, which allows them to open gyms very quickly, and they have a tremendous profit margin. And so I think that 2022 could be the year of Planet Fitness, especially because in their latest quarterly call, their membership levels were at 97% of all-time highs, meaning that people are showing that they're comfortable returning to these public spaces and working out with other people around them. They might face some short-term headwinds because of the latest variant, but I do think people are becoming more and more comfortable with the idea of having to live with COVID and use strategies that will allow them to go back to the gym. I know at-home fitness has been such a big talking point for us throughout the pandemic, particularly with the rise and somewhat fall of Peloton, but I do think there will always be a place for Planet Fitness, which has such an accessible business model. With an entry-level membership of $10, it's such an easy sell to anyone who might be tempted by the gym, and it's also incredibly sticky because $10 a month, you barely even miss it coming out of your bank account. Very few people cancel. And on top of this, I think that their secondary membership, which is their $20 membership, their gold membership, which gives you access to multiple locations and some in-gym perks, has tremendous pricing power. And this was something that was reflected by their CEO on their latest quarterly call when he said that he believes they could raise that membership by 5 or $10 and people would still happily pay it. So I think 2022 might be the year of Planet Fitness. If I had to put a number on it, I would love to see the stock maybe jump 50%. I think it could be entirely possible if they continue with their aggressive expansion plan, particularly internationally, where they recently opened a couple gyms in Australia with some tremendous success. So there you go. Great pitch. Wow. That was a great one. Uh, great one, yeah. That was a good one. Excellent. <laughs> a risky one. I can't believe she made such a, a risky prediction. But and she's will... usually lower risk. I, yeah. I'm actually amazed. <laughs> wow. Nice one, Emery. Good luck with that. <laughs> okay, let's move on then. So who will I go to first? Who wants to give the prediction first? Mike, you haven't gone first yet in this podcast. What is your big prediction for 2022? My prediction is maybe a bit of a cop-out just because it's almost happened before. But uh, I'm predicting that one of big tech, Microsoft, Facebook, maybe Apple, is going to buy are going to attempt to buy Unity software and kind of try to take the lead in the software side of the metaverse. Just just update us. Who who tried to buy them before? Facebook tried to buy them way back a while ago. And when you say attempt, do you think Unity will pull back, or do you think it could be a, a regulation or an antitrust? Issue. Well, there's the antitrust going on. Facebook can't even buy a 300 million group of gifts anymore. But um, <laughs> <laughs> the gift library is a trouble. There is more to that as well because Unity has already turned down Facebook. So yeah. I would hope, for my own sake and my own portfolio, that it would, if it does come about, to turn them down again and go out on its own. Okay. It's a good one. So your prediction is that in 2022, one of the big tech players are going to try buy Unity software. Okay, I like it. Let's move on then, Rory. Ego's a bit battered, a bit bruised. A bit battered. I'm just going to make, I'm going to make a ridiculous one. Because <laughs> <laughs> that way, that Cut, way to, cut like... to five minutes ago, I was like, I'm not sticking my neck out again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my prediction is that Square is going to attempt to buy OpenSea, the NFT trading platform. There's no real backing up for it. I just, you know, I think that their their move to block is going to is going to enable some sort of move towards this kind of NFT space. Not that I think that's a particularly good idea, but you know, <laughs> let's see how it plays out. Yeah, especially with Jack Dorsey kind of dedicating all of his time now to to Square or Block or, or whatever it's called. There's a, there's a bit of an acquisition theme going through the predictions this year. I like it. Cool. So, Emmett, then, the final prediction. What is your prediction for 2022? You're batting a good average here at the moment, so no pressure. Mm, I really want to get the hat trick, so I put 
a bit of work into this one and I'm going to make a prediction that a, a business's shares are going to go up by a certain amount. And unlike Macy's, I'm going to go with a very obscure company that started out in the 1970s producing pregnancy tests for pandas in San Diego Zoo. What? <laughs> 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 On the topic of predictions, I don't think anyone could have predicted this or ever it's going. Well, anyway, over the years, it moved into testing for flu and all sorts of infectious diseases, which is something we've all become a little bit too familiar with. So what I'm going to go with is everybody's favorite global biotech leader, pandemic fighter, Kidel, which is spelled Q-U-I-D-E-L, and its ticker is Q-D-E-L. So Kidel has been one of the giant beneficiaries, if you like, of the coronavirus, and clearly their tests and their testing products have caused the business to become far more relevant and future relevant. And I'm not going to dive into the why, unless you want me to, but my prediction is that in 2022, Kidel will grow 32% from today's price. 32% exactly. Yeah, <laughs> just under that's my third. prediction. So does that mean? Yeah, I decided it, to low bullet. If, if it's if it's over 32% or under 32%, you're wrong. It has to be exactly 32%. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm taking it. I was right with the Macy's, and I went over 100%. So if I hit Anything above 32% or higher, this okay. is a green light, okay? Okay. Yeah, no, I like that level of specificity. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, let's go with it. Okay, cool. So there are our predictions for 2022. And that's it for our final show of 2021. We're going to take a break next week as we're all off on holidays and we'll probably be eating and drinking and sleeping too much. But we'll be back in the first week of January. In the meantime, if you have any questions you'd like us to answer or elevator pitches you'd like us to tackle, make sure to get in touch. You can find us, as always, on Twitter. That's at MyWallStreetHQ. On TikTok, that's at MyWallStreet or simply just email us at pod at mywallstreet.com. That's P-O-D at mywallstreet.com. If you're enjoying the show, please make sure to tell your friends about us as well and leave us a review or a rating on whatever platform you listen to us on. From the four of us here today, plus Anne-Marie, thanks so much for listening to us throughout 2021. We look forward to coming back online and chatting to you again next year. So have a great Christmas if you celebrate it and we'll see you in 2022. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.